go to John chapter 17. This is Jesus, and he's going to be praying for the disciples and for the church. You know, Mitch, before you go any further, okay, I've got a lot of all-time favorite scriptures, but this portion of scripture in John 14, 15, 16, 17 is just off the charts. It's the last instruction the disciples received from Jesus while he was on earth, right before he went to the cross. That's right, and let's keep this in context. We were talking about temptation that, that the disciples went through. Yes. And the agony that Jesus went through. This is all through that same timetable right here. Within a matter of hours. Yes. When you read John 14, 15, 16, and 17, and you go back to Mark and Matthew and, and Luke giving the accounts of being in Gethsemane, this is all in the same timetable. Yes. Exactly. So he's trying to teach them just before he goes to the cross. And John is, I don't know, he's probably giving more detail. I don't know if that's a way to say that or not, but I just love the way John presents these last teachings of our Lord. We can tie it all together with the book of John and the gospel of John and the book of Revelation that we see that John had an understanding of God's love. Amen. And an understanding of prayer. And how important it is to be praying. Seeking God. Yes. And that's what he's trying to convey to us today. Amen. Is how important it is to uh, seek God. So we'll start with John chapter 17, unless the Lord's leading in another direction here. John 17, starting with the first verse. And this is Jesus praying for himself. He's praying to the Father. He's praying for the disciples. And he's also going to be praying for us. Just meditate upon that for a minute. That Jesus, the Son of God, is praying a prayer really for each individual when it's referring to the church. Each individual that comes to Him. He's interceding for us. They're actually on their way to Gethsemane. They're on their way to the garden right now. They're walking along a path or maybe they've just arrived to the garden. I don't know. But they have left the Passover table. And Jesus is still teaching them. Yes. So we come to this awesome portion of Scripture here in John 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to the heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is the only true God. Off the charts, good. Yes. Mm. Jesus understood what he was to do. He understood that he was to die for the sins of the world. He was to be the ultimate sacrifice. And he did the Father's will up to the very end. And he did that by seeking the Father through prayer. Cannot overemphasize that enough. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. We can look at that as ourselves. Sure. He has a purpose and a plan for all our lives. Just like we read in Romans 12. Amen. Verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself 
with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He's talking about his, his deity, his position that he has with the Father. Yes. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. They have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. I want to stop there for a minute and back up to verse 6. Okay. It was by the word that the disciples were saved. It was not by their actions. Because their actions, as we see later on, they denied Christ. It was God looking at their heart, believing the words that Jesus was telling them. If you believe in the Son of God, you'll have eternal life. And they believed in the Son of God. It wasn't based upon their actions. The Amplified says here, I have manifested your name. I have revealed your very self, your real self, to the people whom you have given me out of the world. They are yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed and kept your word. They were believers. They were believers, but not perfect believers. They were not perfect. Jesus was trying to perfect them by teaching them all the time he was here on earth. He was trying to teach them how they could be perfected in God's will and in God's love. Verse 8, I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. They believed that. Yeah, they were believers. Verse 9, and Jesus says this, I pray for them. Now he's praying for the disciples. I do not pray for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. They now belong to the Father, and he's praying for them. The Amplified says they belong to you. To you, God. Yes. They belong to you. I'm praying for them. They belong to you. And how do they belong to the Father? And that's because they believed the word that Jesus was conveying to them. Yes. That's how you belong to the Father. They had a tremendous amount of head knowledge, didn't they? Yes, they did. It was planted in them. <laughs> the seeds were planted. Yes. In chapter 14, 15, and 16 of John, Jesus is preparing them as well, teaching them about the Holy Spirit that was to come. Yes. That would reveal the rest to them. And then they would have that power. But he was praying for them. That's, that's the purpose of our teaching here. Verse 10, And all mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 11, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I have come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. We're one with the Father. We're one with the Father through the Spirit. As believers. Through the wow, Spirit. Through the Spirit. Doesn't it say that in, in 1 Corinthians 6? 6, yes. We're one with the Father? Yes. While I was in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Verse 13, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He's telling us by 
believing in Him and trusting in God, that's what separates us from the world. The world does not understand God because they have not received the Holy Spirit. I'm going to maybe just go back to verse 13 here, and it says, And now I am coming to you. I say these things while I am still in the world, so that my joy may be made full and complete and perfect in them, that they may experience my delight fulfilled in them, that my enjoyment may be perfected in their own souls, that they may have my gladness within them, filling their hearts. Now we go to verse 14. I have given and delivered to them your word, the message, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Do not belong to the world, just as I am not of the world. Their thinking is different now, isn't it? Yeah. It's not of the world, and the world doesn't understand that. That's why they hate the word. 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you will keep and protect them from the evil one. Protect them from temptation. Doesn't that go back to the Lord's Prayer? Yes. yes. Deliver us from evil? Yes. And he does deliver us from evil. He's delivered us in two ways, Terry, I believe. One is through Jesus Christ, paying the price for our sins and conquering death, being raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. Two, we are conquerors and overcomers of evil through the renewing of our mind. By those two things, we can overcome evil. The first one, most of us, when we're believers, we've overcome that part. The second one is we haven't overcome the temptations in our life yet. We've allowed Satan to still take control of our mind and our thoughts. And it's because we're not seeking God through prayer or through his word. We're not meditating upon him. I just had this thought, Mitch, about God's love. He loves us so much, he lets us make the choice as believers. What a God. He doesn't say, okay, now that you believe in me, this is the way it's going to be. He still gives us this free will to choose to live by the word of God, to seek him. Or just to say, well, I got my ticket punched and I'm going to heaven. The reason people want to be taken out of this world is very simple. Because I've heard people pray for this. Because they've allowed trials and tribulations to affect them. They didn't realize that they have victory and authority over those things. And so what do they do? They want to escape. Exactly. That's what they want to do. I hear a lot. That's why a lot of people are saying, I want Jesus to return right now. I want him to come right now because they're facing these tribulations. They're allowing the circumstances of the world to overpower them in their mind. They're thinking they don't have victory. They're being beat up with their circumstances. They don't rest in the Lord. So I'm going to quote this scripture. Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. We have peace through God, through prayer, through meditation, through His Word. We have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. This is Jesus telling the disciples. You're going to have tribulation. So we shouldn't be shocked. The point being, people are crying out to God to be delivered out of this world because they feel there's no hope and there's no peace. 
But Jesus keeps saying here, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And most people don't understand what that's saying. It's through the Spirit you have overcome the world. Through that Spirit, that born-again experience where you have that new Holy Spirit now that resides within yes. you, yes, is there so it can renew your mind to the will of the Father and to give you comfort, to build you up, to teach you. So you're not worried about the affairs of the world and the cares of the world. If I'm... Um... Of that body that says, hey, let me let me out of here. Lord, come quickly. They don't quite understand the peace of God that he's left with us. No. Through his Holy Spirit. No, they don't. They don't have that because they have not been diligently seeking him. For, and Mitch, I'm not, and we're not because, talking about somebody who just says, oh, Lord, come quickly. No. <laughs> because we are in the flesh and we are, we do get weary. But we have to have these scriptures in us or we're going to faint. The Amplified says this, For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it, the world, of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Man, that should give you peace. If you're walking in the Spirit, you realize, I do have victory. I can be an overcomer. I don't have to let those things that are coming against me affect my mind. I can deal with them through God's wisdom. While we're backing up here in the book of John, <laughs> 17, 16, I'm going back to 14, verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He was telling the disciples this before he went to the cross. They were going to see him scourged and spit upon and just and die. One of the most cruel deaths. And he said, don't let your heart be troubled. He's telling us the same thing today. Only we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to help us. Yes. We do if we believe that. That's right. And we trust in that. And therein lies the rub. Do you trust it? Do you believe it? Or are you just reading it for head knowledge? That's right. Are you really applying it to your life? That's the big question. That's what everyone needs to examine themselves on. Am I applying what I'm reading to my life, or am I just reading this for head knowledge? Am I really trying to get a greater understanding of who God is and how He can help me overcome these trials and tribulations, or am I just going to church for head knowledge? And then when these trials and tribulations come against me, then I'm going to spiral downward. Fall apart like I've never heard the word of God before. That's right. Be bawling and squalling and why, Lord, why me? Well, and that's the point we're trying to make out of all this, Terry, is that's what we normally do when we go to God in prayer, is we're complaining. We're complaining more than we're praising God. We're telling him about our circumstances. He says, I've given you authority and power to overcome all your circumstances. If you would just believe and trust in me, I have overcome the world. That's exactly what it's saying. I have overcome the world. Will you just trust in me? Take my word. Pray that word of God over people. Pray that the eyes of their understanding would be opened. And that's what Paul was always praying for. That's what Jesus is praying for. He's praying for them. So they'll be strengthened. He's trying to build them up. He's trying to comfort them. And he's trying to teach them. We were in verse 15. We were, or I did anyhow. I got hung up on the world. And we're not of the world. We're not of the world. 
We're overcomers. Greater is he that in us than he is in the world. Sanctify them, purify, concentrate, separate them for yourselves and make them holy by the truth. Your word is truth. Yes. That's what we were just trying to explain. We should just read scripture, Mitch. I guess. (laughs) Just as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now, stop right there. The Father sent Jesus into the world to do His will. Now, Jesus is sending the disciples into the world. Do you see the correlation there? Yes. And that applies to us, too. Jesus is sending us into the world to do the Father's will. We no longer belong to ourselves, do we, Terry? We belong to the Father. We belong to the Father. We're his kids. That's right. And <laughs> he <it's>, loves us. <laughs> it's through that communion God. that we have. If we could just stay in that communion with him through prayer, if we could stay there. Oh, man, yes. In verse 20, this is talking about us now. I, yes. put, I, I think of it as each individual. I think of it as Mitch. I think of it as Terry. Yes. This is applying to the, every listener that, that is a believer. I do not pray for those alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word. It's through their word now. See how it was passed down from Jesus to the disciples, now the disciples to us, and now we spread the word to do the will of the Father. So in order for us to do the will of the Father, we have to deny self. We have to be focused through prayer to know what the will of the Father is so we can hear from the Holy Spirit. Do we do it perfectly? No. No. Did these guys do it perfectly? Oh, my goodness. Peter denied him three times that he never knew the man. So they weren't perfect. That's that's a good point. Because I think that's the illustration that's being painted as well, is we're not perfect, and we're going to mess up. But be of good cheer. Yes. (laughs) Be of good cheer. Understand the price has been paid for. Yes. And what you're trying to do now is focus on the Father to do the Father's will. Verse 21. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I just explained it. Yes. The Father was in Jesus. The Father's in us. So the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. Yes. All we're trying to do here today, Mitch, is to help people become convinced that God sent his only begotten son out of love and that we can now have an intimate relationship with him, to be one with him, because he's done it for us. He's overcome the world. Verse 22, I want to read that one. Go ahead. Because it's just what you're talking about. And the glory which you give me, I give them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Oneness with the Father. Oneness to do His will. Yes. That's how the early church grew so fast, Mitch. They were all one. They somehow grasped God's love. They saw Jesus crucified, some of them. And when they heard Peter preach, After the Holy Spirit had come upon them at Pentecost, they became alive and it spread. And that was through prayer, though. 
They were in the upper room praying, praying for the Holy Spirit. They yes. weren't praying about their circumstances. They were praying for the Holy Spirit to come. They were asking for direction. Yes. <laughs> That's why we're reading John 17, yes. because we're seeing here the demonstration of prayer. As you notice, it's not a selfish prayer. That's right. He was praying for the disciples, and he was praying for us. So many people today, as a church body, want growth. We do all sorts of things, seeker-friendly, coffee house, whatever. And you know what we need? Oneness with the Father. That's it. So we can hear from the Father to do His will. If you're doing His will, preaching His Word and teaching His Word, the Holy Spirit's going to bring them. That's right. If the Holy Spirit of God can bring the animals to the ark, (laughs) He can bring people. Yes. Because animals are dumber than people. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Yes. You have to have that full confidence and assurance in the power of the Holy Spirit. So what he's doing is praying that they're one, that they're one in the Spirit. So I see this as my responsibility as to be one with the Father so that I can be one with my fellow believers. Because intimacy with the Father will flow out of me to other people so that they begin to understand who God is. We're all one through the Spirit. Yes. It's through that Spirit. I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. I love them. He's saying he's loving the world. Man. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, Be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. Oh, yes. This is the only time he says, I desire. But you know, even when he says, I desire, it's still not truly his desire. That desire is that he wants to do the will of the Father. His desire is for these people to be with him. For us to be with him in heaven. The Father gave him that desire. Yes, within his spirit. Yes. It's not a selfish desire, is it? That's the difference. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me. See how he phrased that? Mm -hmm. Whom you've given me, whom the Holy Spirit has drawn, that they be with me as well. That's the intercession he's making for us. Sure. O righteous Father. Although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. He's talking about us now, isn't he? Yes. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. This prayer that Jesus prayed in chapter 17 is not a selfish prayer. He's concerned about the world, about the believers. He's concerned about the disciples. He's concerned to doing the Father's will. This is before he went to the cross. And the mindset that he had to have to pray this type of prayer, most of us, if we were faced with this situation here, or you can name your own situation. Yes. 
you would be crying out to the Father to help me escape this situation. Bring me out of this situation. Glorify me through this tribulation. It's what he's telling us to do. He's saying, I've been glorified. I've glorified you. I want the people who know me to glorify me through every situation they come up against, no matter what it looks like. That's right. I'm going to pose this question, Terry, and this may be getting us off a little bit, but I think it's important. A person needs to examine themselves and ask themselves this question. This trial or this tribulation I'm facing, did I create it? Did I create that trial and tribulation? Now I'm crying out to God to take this trial and tribulation away from me. Have I not listened to the Holy Spirit and I was making decisions or doing something in my flesh, my carnal thinking that caused me to have this situation where I maybe bought a house that I couldn't afford or a car I couldn't afford or I spent too much money on luxury things? And then you cry out to God saying, I can't meet my bills. See what I'm saying? Yes. Have we created those trials and tribulations? When John, in 1 John chapter 2, talks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind, that's how we get in trouble with our tribulations. As we allow that flesh, our lust to control, where we make improper decisions. And then what we do, we start complaining to God for this situation. Even worse, we blame Him. Yes. Oh, my. That's how we are praying most of the time. When in reality, you've created your own situation because you have not been one with the Father. That's right. You've not listened to that Holy Spirit. The thing is now we're playing this seed of truth in their mind where they can now, if they choose to do so, recognize, have I caused this situation? And now am I praying to the Father to help me out of this situation that I've created? It's a good question for thought, isn't it? It really, really is. See, most of the time... We bring it on ourselves. We do. We do. Inspire really selfish do. lust, isn't it? Yes. I know there's accidents and stuff that happen that can't be explained, but there are a lot, a lot of things that we just flat bring on ourselves. We do. And then we cry out to the elders of the church, or we cry to the pastor, come pray for me, come lay hands on me, whatever the case may be. And then when nothing happens, then that causes doubt and unbelief and fear. I'm reminded of the scripture in James where it says to have the elders come lay hands on... James chapter 5, yeah. Yes. If you read the first part of that, it's implying if there's any among you that is sick. You know, you brought that up. I'm looking at James chapter 5, verse 13. Mine says, is any among you suffering? That could open up Everything. everything. That's right. Is any among you suffering? And it says this, what I like about this. Let him pray. He says, let him pray. Is any suffering, let him pray. It puts the responsibility right back on you. And that's the point. (laughs) 